Hey everybody, welcome to No One Told Me Where Hindsight is Everything. My name is Callie and here we try to use your stories and your lessons learned from the past to help shape someone's present. Now I'm just going to have to be honest right off the bat with you. Last week felt like the emotional equivalent of the time last summer this 14 year old dared me to run straight off a cliff and grab a rope and swing myself into the water which looked really easy when he did it. And then I got up there and it was it was too much to remember all at once and I panicked and I just let the rope go too soon, letting my face hit the water first. I honestly, I can't think of a better way to describe the past eight days. We closed on our house and packing is basically just me doing an arm sweep across shelves into a box. My oldest Henley, well, she started kindergarten and hearing her ask me as she sat in her classroom with all these other little kindergartners, when she leaned over and whispered, mommy, how can I have courage? Well, that just about sent me with a fork to a birthday cake so I could eat some of my feelings. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, and then speaking of birthdays, my youngest Hagen, well, he turned three and he might as well be an adult at this point. I am in the throes of transitions. I honestly hate that word. I can't even describe to you how much I have come to just hate that word. It's like, you know, that feeling when you're pulling on your compression leggings while you're sweating, Is it not the worst? I mean, all it does is make you sweat more and it's this vicious cycle. That is where I'm at right now. I'm in this vicious cycle with something that I hate and I can't get out of it. You try to make it through one change while another change smacks you in the face, all while still recovering from the previous change. I'm living in this constant contradiction. I'm wanting to celebrate what's to come, but also allow myself to grieve what's past. I'm trying to learn what it means to step into a new season with grace and out of a past season with wisdom. Making decisions in the middle of something I've never done before, never experienced before, and hoping that decisions lead to growth and health instead of regret and grief. How do you do that? I can't figure it out. And I've also spent probably too much energy trying to figure out just the right way to do it. So I asked you guys this exact question to see if you're feeling maybe what I'm feeling in our No One Told Me Facebook group. And I want to share some of your answers Katie said, I dread them initially. I build them up. Don't we all do that? We build up these transitions like they're going to be absolutely wrecking to our lives. But once they come, she says, I just dive headfirst in. If it's a forced transition, one that I didn't want, then there's no turning back. So we just keep moving forward. I noticed in her response, basically what she's getting at is a constant movement forward instead of just staying where you are and either dreading it or trying to get away from it. She said, trying to face transitions and changes with more of an attitude of prayer and preparation instead of worry and letting myself fall into the what ifs. I live in the what ifs, right? You know, when they always come right when I get in bed, I mean, no joke. As soon as I lay down and I'm like, I think it's a good time to go to sleep. It's like another part of my brain fires up the old modem in there and is like, you know what? Let's think about all the things that could happen in the next five years, right? Heather said planning is how she makes it through transitions. And this one was good for me to think through. You know, planning can create this sense of normal. Actually thinking through what the change or transition is and what it means makes me feel like I can kind of take a breath, you know. But that's also a very, very careful balance. I read something last week and it said you're not anxious about the future. You're anxious about your lack of control of the future, And I never thought of myself as someone who wanted control, but I am, that is what is being revealed to me over the past several weeks. Connie also said, I have to use the stop method. Stop, take a breath, observe my surroundings, and then proceed with caution. She said, honestly, it is better for me to recognize that this is not what I anticipated and be gentle with myself and ask myself what I can control about the transition and what I cannot control. Even if I only have 10 minutes, it is better for me to take that 10 minutes and make a plan for the things that I can actually control. So many of you had some great insight into how you've navigated changes, wanted and unwanted. And I love that we get to speak into each other this way, building a community around our stories and experiences. So if you haven't jumped in yet, find us on Facebook or hop over to at NOTM podcast on Instagram. I love hearing from you. No joke. When I wrote this, there's like 15 O's in the word love because I, I really do. I like it so much in both places. I check it. I respond. And if you like what you hear today, make sure to share it and tag us. Also, the old subscribe button never hurt anyone. Actually, I don't I don't know if that's true. But in this case, you're safe from harm, right? So just go ahead and click it. Anyway, about today, 
Because we love hearing from you, we thought we would do a Q&A session this week. You all asked me and my friend and yours, Brooke, we answered. And I'm excited to hear what you all think about a topic that we've kind of avoided over the years because we weren't real sure how to address it. But let me tell you, you all had all the questions about the honeymoon night, right? And a few things we had to edit because Brooke knows no filter, let me tell you. So some of your questions won't get answered, but (laughs) the majority of them will. We talked about marriage. You all wanted to know about how do you uh, navigate conflict with your spouse. You wanted to know about pregnancy and childbirth. Then you started asking about some really tough questions like dealing with body image issues and, and how do you work fitness in even when you don't really care about it. And a few other random tidbits here and there. I'm telling you, we cover, we cover a lot. And I actually love talking about all of those things. So the Lord provides because after last week, I didn't have the heart power to do more than sit down with Brooke and you guys and simply just talk about life and all it brings. Here's our look back as we answer your listener questions. Have you caught your breath yet? I am physically ill right now. Thanks to you. So if you're in the 90 day challenge, that workout's coming for you. And if we're out of breath, it's because I obviously don't know how to pace myself in workouts. But Brookie, 90 day challenge. Now, how about it? You started this in quarantine. If you don't know about it, you've got a Facebook group. You've got recipes. You've got workouts. You've got everything. Why did you start it? Well, okay. So I've always loved to be in a gym, whether I was taking a class or teaching a class. And suddenly in quarantine, we didn't even have that. And even if the gym was open, there was no childcare. So mm. let me tell you, I'm up the creek without a paddle if I don't have childcare. Mm. And so I thought, you know what? I've always preached to people, you can work out from home, yada, yada, yada. But that's that falls on deaf ears when you really just don't even know how to start that process. So I think you texted me one night and said, Brooke, now's your chance to start training people from home. And I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. Let's do this. So it started out as, let's just film a normal workout that you and I would do in the garage. Mm-hmm. If people want to follow around, uh, follow along with us, so be it. Let's see what happens. And it was so fulfilling. Let me tell you, if teaching fitness is part of God's gifting to you, you will have an itch you cannot scratch. But that's what they're doing. I think True. that, you know, True. I mean, I think for you, that was it. You talked and talked and talked about how much you love doing it, but you didn't like being tied to one place. Yeah. You didn't like being tied to one program. Yeah, you wanted true. the freedom. And it was this itch, like you're saying that I just feel like I'm called to do this. I'm called to pour into women and help them change their perspectives of themselves and partner with them in this journey. And you just had to do it. And then you found so much joy in and, doing it. And I think also I'm not naturally a fit person. I know that you're, you're going to roll your eyes at me because you're like, you're slender. You, you always laugh at me when I bounce back from babies. Honest to goodness, I've had my struggles with weight, mm-hmm. especially in college. And so in that whole quest to figure out health and fitness, figure out how to lose weight, I always wanted it quick. I always wanted it on my own terms. Let me tell you what, that never ended well. Mm-hmm. And it put me in a terrible place mentally, not only physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all that stuff. So now if I know how to do it, I want to teach it. And mm-hmm. I think it's really, really simple. So to me, it's like a gift to my friends and the people that I love. And the community you can build within it. I mean, that's something you and I have talked about a lot with this whole program. When you do something like this, you want to know that people are doing it with you. You want to know that they're feeling the same things that you feel throughout it. You know, if it, you want to know that this is not just hard for me, this is hard for everybody. Like you, yeah, you want to know all of that (laughs) stuff. And that's the value of the like community that you built through it. Well, and I also think what we really quickly forget, and I think society's well on its way to learning this on its own in quarantine, you're stuck at home or you're, we've learned to adapt to our, just the walls within our own home. We need people. Even if you're an introvert, you still need community, whatever that looks like. So if it's friends in a Facebook group, if it's a small group, if it's people that you get together with and do brunch, you got to have people. Mm. And even it's those people that push you to do the things that you're called and purposed to do. I was thinking about when I was driving over here to your house today, everybody needs a hype person or hype people. <laughs> you know, someone who is like, yeah, yeah. yeah. someone who's like, no, you're going to do it. No, Listen, you're going to do it. I, that's how we parent. Side note, one no matter what's happening, somebody's laying down something, the other is the hype man. Just hyping it up. You, you never give them uh, the other side of the argument. You never side of the kid. Like, Mark will come in and be like, yeah, put, I told you to put those clothes up. Yeah, he did. 
Yeah, he did. <laughs> but then it's like, even if I walk in and Ryan is like, it, internally, I'm like, this is a gross overreaction right now. Right. This is way too much. We need to calm it down. But in the moment, I'm like, are you listening to him? Yeah. Are you listening to him? Yeah. And then once the kids leave, I'm like, hey, listen, that was a little much. That, listen, that every single time, if you're on the same page, they've got nowhere to go. Yep. They can't manipulate the back them into a corner. Also, I think... Mark's done the same for me many a time when I've been completely out of line. And it just makes me love him more. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having mm-hmm. my side, despite my wrongness. That is the beauty of parenting. <laughs> I think it's a, there are times when your kids are a little bit older that you can have the conversations of, hey, I may be overreacted here, but let's talk about what you could have done different, what I could have done different. Right. But when they're at a certain age, like mine at three and five, they're not understanding logic just yet. And so if I go off on you, I just got to stand by it. And you got to track with me on this. Ryan last Always. night sent Hagen to his room. And Hagen, it was dark, and Ryan was like, well, just sit in a dark room. And I was like, yeah, sit in a dark room. But internally, it was like, should we turn a light on? I don't know. <laughs> Think about the terrible things happening in his little brain while he's sitting there. Nobody loves me. But even back to just the starting fit, we go straight into these conversations so fast when, it's, when you're on here that we didn't even intro what we're doing. This is a question and answer episode. So what we did is we asked you all for all your questions that you need answers to. And we have different topics that we're going to run through. And the first one, obviously, because we've talked about it so much, the two of us, is that fitness and body image issue. And especially as women, I mean, you talked about it in our, the mind games we play and the, how emotionally tied we are to how we look. Oh, 90% of how we feel about just, everything we do in our life comes back to how we feel as physically how we represent ourselves. Yeah. How we, when we look in the mirror, what do we see? And if we like it or not, it's going to dictate how we feel going into our day. A lot of times it is a mind shift that is so difficult to to change. But with that, we know our bodies are constantly changing. I mean, right. women, especially, I feel like men, they do to a degree, but I feel like ours, yeah. it's so dependent on hormones. I want y'all to think it's, about something. My sweet little husband gets ready for bed in 30 seconds. He brushes his teeth. He, strips down to his boxer briefs and he's under the covers and he's done he's done what am i in there doing i'm exfoliating a double cleanse moisturizing eyelash serum hair serum lip stuff brushing my braces putting my braces in you can hear me talk with them um it's literally a 30 minute routine and guess what i have a pimply still face still we break out and his face is flawless it absolutely takes and then they me wake off. up the only time the only time i feel like men will wash their faces in the shower yeah right like so that's about it occasionally in the winter ryan will use a moisturizer yeah like too. with that's his it. beard and stuff like that but i'm like this must be so nice because the work that we're doing and there's something about when you feel like the work isn't effective and you talk about this a lot you say it's small changes it over is. time we feel defeated after a week or two we think i mean you say it yourself it's usually in the second week of a program that you're like I'm out because it's not doing anything. I, I I could feel it. I just can't see it. So week four is typically when you see it, but that's not complete total change. Week eight, people, other people see it. And then in three months time or 90 days or whatever, that's an arbitrary number. But that's when you literally have done something for so long, you can't look back mm-hmm. and, and you can't look forward the in the same way. Formed. It is. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like with every decade, our bodies change another way. <gasps> every you know, year at this point. Yeah. So how do you embrace those shifts? For me, it had to become more about, am I making healthy decisions? Yeah. You know, yeah. not every day, all day. Trust me when I say I do not make healthy decisions, but I do make sure that I move yeah. pretty much every day. I do some form of movement every day, if not at least five to six days a week. And I do pay attention to what I eat yeah. because I am, I know my feelings are tied to food. There's game. no perfect answer to this. I know some of the most spiritually mature, emotionally mature people in my life that are females. And no matter how rooted they are in the word, there is still a physical need to feel like you look good. You'll combat that the rest of your life. I'll combat that daily when I'm zitty, when I'm feeling bloated, like it alters how I feel about things the rest of the day right mm-hmm. i think number one prioritizing what's important like i'm healthy thank god for health thank god that we are uh that you know you can move that you, that can, you can absolutely yep. um and second for me it's different because i have growing girls and i've got one that's a preteen right now whose body is starting to change and she's starting to see things differently and so for me i can it's so easy for me to recall what i want charlie to do this would i want charlie to see herself this way would i want charlie obsessing about a, a two workouts in a day. Would I want Charlie to, you know, like it's easy for me to say, this is just about teaching them to respect their bodies and their temples and being in a good headspace. On the other side, we have to take care of ourselves spiritually and mentally. And how long, how often do we, who we, who love fitness, how often do we say, 
you know, yeah, we got our workout in, but we spent 30 minutes in the word today too. So we talked about this uh, just a few days ago. Uh, I was reading in Romans and it talks about that we are no longer slaves because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We don't have to be slaves. And I've heard that. I mean, if you grow up in church, you have heard that multiple times, right? But I started thinking the implications of it. What does that actually mean? That means that those thoughts that you have, the the comparison that you play, the questioning of yourself, the the self-doubt to the self-deprecation, all of those things, we don't have to be trapped by it. You know, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross and the value that came through that. I feel as Christian women, we hear that all the time, yeah, right? Sure. And we don't really grasp it though. We live ourselves imprisoned by certain feelings. I feel, you know, Guilt. like guilt. I get imprisoned by guilt. I get imprisoned by, um, I'm not quite good enough. A lot of those good enough feelings or, um, whatever you look like, everyone has a thing. I don't know. Fill in the gap with what your thing is. Cause I doubt you have to think too hard about it. Right. Yeah, right. But you don't have to be trapped by it, but yet we choose to, we make the choice to live trapped by it. It's and so that's what we've prioritized. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I love Jesus. But I am much more upset with myself at the end of the day if I didn't get a workout in than I would be if I didn't get my quiet time in. You're exactly right. And you know what? That is a convicting thought. Now, mind you, right now I'm in a good place. Callie, my sweet, sweet friend, bought me a journaling Bible, and it has changed the game for me. I have been so eager to wake up in the morning and journal in my Bible as I read. About writing in your Bible. And I'm spending more time than I've ever spent, and it is God is meeting me there, Mm -hmm. and I am learning. This sounds so cliche. Come to the altar, everybody. The Lord will meet you. No, but, man, when you get in the Word, not just somebody else's words about the Word of God, not a devotional, but like the pages of Scripture Read flipping in your own hand. The scripture. And you taking notes and you writing down what God's speaking to you. That is transformative. Hey, and if you don't know where to start, maybe you're listening to this. And I, that is one of the biggest lessons I've probably learned in the past year is how he continues to shape me through his word. Even the same words that I've read a million times. Right. That is the beauty of writing in your Bible, number one. For those of you who have been doing it for a little while and you feel maybe stale, I'm telling you a journaling Bible where you can write down what you're learning in that moment and write down your prayers, write down how it's changing you. Can we link that journaling Bible yes. into the show notes? We will have it there. a great and, Bible. But I know it can be overwhelming when you crack the Bible open. It's it's so big. It is. And especially if you're just thinking about the concept of, I would like to do that. I don't know where to start. Let's talk about it. Like reach out to us. Let's talk about, I have a great friend. Her name is Kaylee who put together this whole thing about here's how you can read the Bible and get something from it every single day. So I would love to share that with you. So come find us. We're at NOTM podcast on uh, Instagram. We would love to share that with you, but off of that, you know, not living trapped by those feelings anymore. That means you have to claim those feelings when you, when you have them and just, I verbally will say, I'm not going to be trapped by that anymore. Like, Jesus, I don't want to be trapped by that. Take it. And it's multiple times a day. As soon as the thought comes up, I'm disciplining and training myself because like we talked about with healthy habits, something that starts as discipline becomes a habit. Yeah. So I'm in the throes of disciplining myself to capture those thoughts and pull them out. That's good stuff. But one of the questions that went along with it was, you know, your body is changing and how you carry your weight changes mm-hmm. and you feel like Brooke, that you need to target certain areas. What is, is there a problem with thinking about it that way when you yeah. want to see one area change and then you feel like you quit, but you don't pay attention to any other area that could be changing? Well, honestly, it's counterintuitive. <laughs> so you maybe, maybe you've got a weak midsection cause you had babies and it's fluffy for the first time in your whole life, or maybe it just continues to expand. Listen, that's normal. That's hormonal. That's age. That's it's so much more than what you eat. Absolutely. So much more plays into that. But I will say this. By doing a well-rounded regiment, which is a little cardio, which is strength training, which is a little bit of every body part, you're going to chip away at the area you don't like, whether you focus on it or not. So um, I always used to joke with this ab class I used to teach. It was ha- called hardcore, pun intended. And um, we would do tons of cardio. It took <laughs> you a took second. Me, listen. <laughs> it took you way too long to get that one cut out. <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like, why is she so proud I, of look, that? I'm looking <laughs> at her. I'm looking at her. Pun intended. Okay, now it I hits. love it. Hardcore. No. You got me. You okay. got me good. So we would do all this cardio, and people would be like, bro, why the heck are we doing all this cardio? I thought we were going to do ab work. I'm like, what do, what do abs matter if you've got fat over them? So cardio is part of that, but I'm not just all about cardio. It's about all kinds of things. Well, and that's what someone asked. They said, how can you be okay with just starting somewhere and knowing that change will take time? Because everyone wants oh. to rush ahead and wants to see it immediately. How do you train yourself to be, okay, I'm going to start here. 
and this is that small bite that I'm going to take start? every day. Yes. Hey, listen, I don't care what kind of activity it is. If you're if you're really overweight and you need to start walking, heck yes, that's a huge start. If you're in a place where you've been walking, you can start jogging. Just take a next step. Take a next step. And that's listen, great. listen, your body will respond. It won't do it overnight. It won't do it in two weeks. But you will see it in time. And that's the long game. No one wants to do this weight loss yo-yo. That's why everyone yo-yos. Oh, I'm heavy. Oh, I'm, I've lost. Oh, I do keto. Oh, I'm down. Oh, I'm up. If you just do these small changes, it's a manageable lifestyle that pays dividends long term. Let's talk about the food side of it. Mm, We've got the, the workout part, stuff down. The biggest part I, of it. For me, the workout side's easy. That's just my personality. Work outside. I can do that. That has no problem to me. It's the food that's a problem sure. for me. So someone asked about macros. How, what are they? How do you utilize them? And you are in, I'm telling you, I've seen the most success from the macro game it's than anything else in the, in the lives of others. I'll preach this to my dying day. That macros are the only way to collectively, like it could work for anybody. Um, if you track your macros, you will physically change your body. Now, you said explain macros. There's no way I could do it on a podcast. All I know is you really just have to keep up with three things. Here's my favorite thing about macros. Now, have I done this yet? No, I did it for like a day. I'm, I have issues with food tracking. I can either, I get obsessive. I can't find middle You're ground with it. You're the only person like that. Yeah, I just, I can't find middle ground with it. But it's just the three things. It's protein, fats, and carbs. You're not looking at your calorie intake. You're Never. looking at how many grams of those three things are you getting. And everybody's different. That's why every single body can do it because it's different for every single physical body. But I like to tell people to think of it as change. So like you get 50 cents for carbs and maybe 50 cents for protein and maybe 30 cents for fat. Okay, once you you can spend that money however you want. But when you're out, you're out. You can't borrow from something else. So that's how you have to think about macros. You have it for the day. You get you a little tracker. Yeah. And this is a part of this fit. 90 day challenge, 30 day challenge, whatever that Berkey's doing. She teaches you how to do all these things. She helps you set up your macros and she helps you learn to track them. And the thing is, you never unlearn it. That's what's wild. Well, that's what you even said the other day. I don't even really have to enter it in the phone anymore because I know almost subconsciously where I'm at throughout the day. Mm -hmm, What I can have. What's been, someone asked, what's the best recipe you've tried in the past month? That fits within the, oh, with this healthy I'm stuff. I'm so glad you, somebody asked this. I would not have had this answer yesterday. Okay, I love Trader Joe's. I know, I know not everyone mm-hmm. loves Trader Joe's. I shopped there the day before yesterday and picked up a, it looked like a pork tenderloin in a package and it was already marinated, but it was beef tips. And I thought, great, we love beef. Callie, last night I was making beef and broccoli. This was seasoned already. So I made rice, from, white rice for my kids. I made cauliflower rice for Mark and I. A ton of broccoli because we love broccoli with onions and bell peppers and sugar snap peas. Then I took those beef tips and you literally just brown them. They're already sliced up in the package. You pour it out. They're, they're already marinated. They're lean. You brown them. And I threw them in there with the brown rice and the broccoli and the onions and all the veggies. It was to die for. Was it so good? I think the package was 12 bucks. So it's a little pricier, but also Trader but Joe's is almost organic. Your that's my entire meal. dinner. You've just done your whole and meal. You chose to add the other stuff. Like yeah. you, that could just be your meal, especially if you're single yes. or you have to always add a bunch to your meal because you're also feeding three girls. But if you're single or just married, maybe just one kid, that is the meal for the night. I mean, that is. It was, I'm telling you, it was to die for. So Trader Joe's prepackaged beef tips. How do you eat on a budget or in a hurry? On a budget or a hurry. Number one, you can buy produce. Produce is not cheap, but you can buy bulk produce. Even frozen frozen veggies, you can roast in the oven. I know a lot of people say, ooh, I don't like, it is still good. You can get uh, green beans, you can get broccoli. It's so much cheaper to buy frozen and you roast it and it's delicious and you season it with garlic and onion and it's amazing. Also, if you have a Costco or Sam's Club membership, buy your meat in bulk. But it, it pays to have a deep freezer, honestly, Callie. It really does. And you got to spend some time divvying up. That is someone no one tells you about adulthood, especially once you start a family, is having a freezer in your garage. We all know like our grandparents, we know our parents, they almost always had like a fridge or freezer in the garage and it always felt excessive. Why do we need another fridge or freezer? Nope. I grew up with a freezer in our garage. It is a necessity because you put all your frozen stuff in it because you never have enough room. My parents have four deep freezes in their That's basement. insane. Yeah. Is it because, well, we always had one. Ryan's family always had one too because they have a cattle farm. Yeah. So we always get, and it is the best ground beef and like steaks, ribeyes, all Actually, of it. Actually, someone is posting here this week. They have their own cattle farm and they're listing all the things that they have for sale this week. And I'm telling you guys, it is the best. It sounds so weird. It's another Noah beef. told me moment. Why would Ugh. you go in on a cow? 
It is worth it. It's worth because it. of what you get, and it's so much cheaper than what you get in the store. Yeah, we bought a quarter of a cow last year, and we're still eating steaks and ground beef and and uh, pot roast. It's so worth it. So and good. you know, listen, we thought the world was going to end already in 2020, but if it had, we were prepared with a lot of Wasn't red meat. The day July 21st isn't that they, when they predicted the world would end? There was all sorts of days. Listen. We're still here. I know we're still kicking. We're Lord, still kicking. I'm ready. Don't let us go until I finish this beef. <laughs> So we had a ton of questions about marriage and relationships. My sweet husband. About our He's marriage and our relationships. Here was the first one. And this was, you. I pitched this to you the other day because we're trying to navigate. How do you answer it? What boundaries are healthy to have in how you talk about your marriage? Praise God, our pastor has talked a lot about mm-hmm. marriage and that relationship because we know it's the foundation of your family. I'm telling you right right now, I see so many marriages struggling because Jesus isn't the center of, center of it. So when you make Jesus your priority, you respect. There, there's a different respect that you have for each other. And I, it, when I ha- do have feelings of aggravation or impatience towards my husband, which, oh my gosh, we all do. Like our husbands annoy us. We annoy our husbands. That's normal. I just make sure to remind myself. And I think you've done this before. You've said to me. Let's talk about, let's think about something really good that he does. Oh my gosh. My heart softens right then because there's so many good things. That because they do. it is so easy to see the holes. And this is with any relationship. Oh, this yeah. isn't even just with your marriage. This is every relationship. We are so quick to be like, you don't do this and you don't do this. And you said that and you, you know, and, and also it's not fair to go talk even to your best friend, even you and me. It's not fair to me to talk bad about Mark. Because that's my side. Well, and I and am flawed and I am. Oh my gosh. Incorrect. I learned, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I learned within the first two years, I think, and I had to learn it by the way I would talk to my mom. Because as women, a lot of us yeah. have really close relationships with our moms. Yeah. And when we are our angriest, who are we calling? Mom. Our mom being like, you will not believe what happened. I remember my mom saying, Callie, it is an awful thin pancake that doesn't have two sides. Like, what is Ryan feeling right now? Yeah. What is he thinking Ooh, look right at mama now? With the wisdom and, I and just, moms, don't you go in and empower your daughter to talk to you like that? Yes. Also, my mom would never allow Mark yes. me to talk badly about Mark. She'd say, "You have the sweetest husband." Well, and because of you know my mom and dad and the the struggles that they had, she she her greatest fear is that that would pass down to our family, and so she is so quick. To be like, well, let's think about how he might be feeling in this right now. What is he thinking? What does he want out of this? Well, and then I got to thinking, Brooke's just drinking her water with her eyes rolling all over. It's really hot in here. But the biggest lesson I learned was how I talk about Ryan is shaping how my mom views Ryan. How I talk about Ryan to you is shaping how you view Ryan. Now, I know that they know Ryan, but it took me a couple years to figure out I am not doing anything good for our relationship and our marriage if I'm painting a picture of him in my moments of high emotion and anger and frustration, if I'm painting a picture of him that is not going to be valued by anybody else, they're not going to see when we fix the problem or when we talk it through and we're good. They're, the people I've talked to aren't going to see that. They're only going to know the bad part. And then that's the, all their memory of Ryan. You also, know? we're wrong a lot in that emotionally high state. You might be. I don't <laughs> when I'm Why like, you're lumping me. Why would, you know, why would Mark do this? And I'm like, oh, I'll look back. I just made some, him look bad when really and truly exactly. I'm, I'm the one that's at fault. That's the number one thing I've learned to ask myself is what is he thinking right also, now? Also, I think it's dangerous ground to go around talking about your spouse openly to really anyone. You should be each other's crutches. Mm-hmm. One, like you, you should be each other's confidants. Mm-hmm. That's the healthy, that's the marriage that God intended for us. We shouldn't have a place where we are more open or transparent and I'll say this, outside of our marriage. I don't mean to sound cheesy here. I really don't. But if you feel like you have to talk about it, you have an option. Go journal it yeah. and pray over it. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying don't validate your emotions. I'm not saying don't, don't live in them and get them out. I'm saying have a place that you put them. That's not going to cause lasting damage to your relationship. And, and be open and transparent with your spouse. I would just say if you are newly married, especially, yeah. there's going to be some fights along the way yeah. in, this, in these early days. Then there's going to be fights about parenting. There's going to be, I mean, there's, they're going to happen. Finances, all the things. Where are you letting those emotions out? that is not healthy for the future of your marriage and the foundation you're building. Cause I think if you look, you'll see, I can look right now and think of within the past year, two times that I was like, gosh, I wish I had done that different. You yeah. know, it's cause we're all learning but how, to, how to Absolutely. do this. Okay. How do you balance continuing to pour into friendships and to be married? Here's the thing. <laughs> we told our husbands, they're going to have to learn to love each other. 
Because we love each other so much. You know what? Is the, I wrote this down. The rarity of finding couples friends. Let me tell you something. Whew. Once you get married, and it was even heightened for Ryan and I because he went away to school. So he had a set of friends and I had a set of friends. And they were separate. Like, yeah, yep. we'd see each other when we were together. But as far as like these lasting relationships, <laughs> they were completely different. It's so much more intentional once you're married. Like it has to be. We've talked about this so many times. Our friendships over time are by proximity. Proximity. You're best friends with who you went to high school with because you're around them all the time. You're best friends with who you went to college with because you're in classes with them or you do extracurriculars with them. And then you get married. And, and it's then like, you don't have any friends because. Who are my friends? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> But luckily, Callie and I work together. We live close to each other. Our kids absolutely adore each other. That makes things so easy. And our husbands get along really well. We're in so the that's- same life stage. So I think you can still have great friends outside of the life stage you are. It takes so much more intentionality. Though. It does. If you value those friendships, that means you're like, hey, you're actually calling them instead of just texting them. It means when you say, hey, let's grab lunch, you're actually grabbing lunch. If you want that friendship to stay, it's going to take more work. Absolutely. And you have to be super intentional and aware that you're doing the work. Okay, this question popped up over and over again. How do you navigate the conflict in your marriage? You have to have boundaries, fighting boundaries that are like, our pastor talked about this. I'm going to refer to him a lot because there's so much biblical wisdom that you have to apply to your marriage or in your dating relationship. Mm -hmm. If you're Mm -hmm. not married, but you're dating. Um, One boundary is name calling. I can get elevated and you shouldn't yell or be loud, but that's still within our boundaries to get elevated. It's the name calling. It's mm. the, the deep cuts. We don't do that. In a perfect world, when we're doing really, really well, when we argue, we both maintain even tempers, even tones of voice. We speak clearly. We let the other one speak. My problem is I'm formulating my response before Mark finishes his sentence. You're not even listening to no. his sentence because you're already thinking what you're going to say He needs next. to hear me. You know, so that's, those are some hard boundaries. So Mark and I have obviously grown a lot in our 10 years of marriage, but now when we fight, they're less in terms of the amount of fights and they're, they're calmer mm-hmm. because we love each other so much. And I know his heart. So mm-hmm. if we can just actually communicate about what's going on, even and cool, which he typically does, um, it, it resolves itself real quickly. Most of the time it's my elevation, my my desire to like be right and make it known with emphasis, you know? I think I really am the one that turns things into a fight. You know, like... Do you think so? I am because I have a quick temper Mm. and a quicker mouth. And so I will take things that were a discussion that might have been a semi-heated discussion, like a disagreement. And if I'm not careful or aware of myself then I'm the one who turns it into an all out fight. I think sometimes I'm looking for a fight because he may have said something that I didn't agree with, or I didn't like how he didn't realize how hurtful it was. And I want him to know. Mm. And so I take it there, mm. but that's, I'm all, that's not I, good. I am usually the one that takes it there. I mean, most <laughs> of the time and I recognize that about myself. I've just learned to think, what is my side in this? Mm-hmm. And then let's talk through. Well, even you can gauge the territory as you're walk as you're getting closer to an uh, argument, the days leading up to it. If there's, if there's tension or what Mark and I say all the time, we're out of sync. Like we're not doing a good job communicating. You can feel it. You can mm-hmm. feel, you feel distance from each other. You don't you, like, we will look at each other and say, I feel out of sync. We've verbalized that. We need a date night. We need night together. Just something that we enjoy doing. That changes so much for us. And then on that date night, be like, yeah. hey, I really feel like I'm, I'm frustrated that you've been working so late. I can verbalize that a lot easier on a date night than I can and exhausted at 9, 8, 9 o'clock at night mm-hmm. when I'm trying to get in bed. And then those tempers flare. And then I don't want to talk about it all night. I want to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And then I think that's <laughs> such a good point. Are you in tune enough? With each other to realize when something's out of tune, something's not working. Oh, man. Literally right before we started recording this, I was telling Brooke that I am seeing my faults in time management. Ryan likes a scheduled day and he likes to know what the schedule of that day is about three days in advance. He loves structure. I fly by the seat of my pants. I'm like, it's a new day. I'm going to do this, this, and this today. What's the possibilities of today? Let's find out. What can I get done today? How much can I shove into a day? Yeah. But the problem is how that affects me emotionally then falls onto Ryan too. I am stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. I'm running from one thing to the next. And then Ryan just asks a question and my emotions are so strung out that a question turns into 
why are you trying to pick a fight with me right now? You know, it just, it goes from today zero. ain't your day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and that's what I was just thinking about right before we even started recording. And even when I said, told Brooke, this was one of the questions she was like, well, this is fresh <laughs> because Ryan and I do not argue about a lot of different things. Nine times out of 10, it's the same stuff, it's the same thing, it's the same stuff. And it's because every time we get a little deeper into what the actual issue is and I struggle with time management, I shove all I can into a day and I'm like, everyone get on along for the ride. We're all going. And I have to continually recognize that Ryan doesn't work that way. And I think that helps with a lot of conflict when you get to the root of what's the real problem here that all these emotions are making it look messy and like yeah. it's bigger than it is, but what's at the root of it. And answering that helps us. It helps us personally. You are really good. I will say this. You're really good at recognizing your own fault. I hold real strong onto my, um, this is not quote unquote rightness, Mm -hmm. uh, for a long time. You hold on to your, um, righteous anger, your perceived righteous anger. Uh, I I should be angry about If I feel it, I feel it. Like if I, if I'm angry enough to fight, it's because I feel right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> do you, how important do you think it is, especially in building these rhythms you're in and knowing, you know, if you're out of sync or what, how important do you think it is uh, these hobbies and relationships, like having a couple things that you do together? Listen, I just made the purchase last night of Yellowstone on Amazon. I bought $20 a season. Mark Listen, would never, talks ever about the show. Mark would never, ever spend money on it. If we were billionaires, Mark would not spend money on it, but I love sitting down on the couch with him at the end of the day and watch sharing a show with him because we it's something we never very rarely get to do but we needed something that we could do together and i hated in our day with him watching the freaking nba playoffs and here's what i can't handle i like basketball but they're terrible might genuinely say you should end your day talking and looking in each other's eyes and talking about your days and everything else those people and I can't, I am not that. And if you are that, oh my goodness, that's so good for I you. I wish I could be that Ryan person. Ryan <laughs> and I are like, let's just be near each other and watch something that we can unwind with together. Because we cover all those bases. When Ryan comes in the door and is standing in the kitchen with me while I make dinner, how was your day? What happened today? Yeah. Da-da-da. We cover all those bases. Yeah. Sometimes that last hour at night, I don't want to talk. I don't, I don't want to know anything else, you know? It's just not for me. I'm not interested in it. Well, I'm telling you, I wish we could be that people too. I'm just done mentally and emotionally. So Martin, don't come in here and ask tough questions. Let's not dig into that. Listen, don't ask me like why I'm emotionally drained. Can I, I please go into a vegetable like state? I don't have the capacity to, to un- unpack this right now. <laughs> so speaking of marriage, speaking of just figuring out each other, trying to, uh, how do you navigate all these different seasons? We did have several questions about figuring out each other in terms of engagement to wedding day to honeymoon. Yeah. And this is a topic we have talked about without microphones in our hands since no one told me started because it's a topic that's never talked about. And that is the honeymoon, the honeymoon. And let's be honest, nobody wants to touch it with a 10 foot pole. I honestly can't tell you how many conversations I've had with either girls who are engaged or girls um, in college who have made the decision. I'm going to save myself for marriage. Their husband makes the same decision and then they get to that wedding night and it's literally probably the biggest. No one told me moment for anyone who has lived specifically in the South yeah. with the true love weights and the, you know, the ring and all that stuff. The conversation that I had with a lot of girls is not even about the physical part yet, but it's about, this is probably one of the only things that you are taught, Hey, if you're having sex outside of marriage, this is sinful. This is a sin. This is a, you're told over and over again, right? Dirty. You, You start to associate it with dirty and wrong, wrong. But then all of a sudden one night after you take your vows, it's all of a sudden. Okay. It is probably no other, if you think about it, there are no other things that are sinful that, that turn out that way. Like you cannot lie, 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 lie. That's a sin. That's a sin. Oh, it's not anymore. Yeah. And so how do you, the emotional side of it along for like set aside the physical side of it, but the emotional and mental side of don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, do it. Yeah. You know, literally and figuratively, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) just rip the bandaid off. It is, I know for me, it was so difficult emotionally to navigate that, but I didn't know that that's what I was having a hard time with until way down the road. It was like the next day when you saw somebody, you thought they know what I've done. 
They we know rolled up I've on done. my parents' house. And I just thought, <laughs> I can't look you in the eyes, Carol. Navigating those emotions, even to the point where I, I've talked to so many girls who got through their honeymoon night and they're like, I just felt like I was disappointing yeah. because I didn't know what I was doing. There's so much baggage yeah. that comes along with it because of how we're not talking about well, it. Well, okay. First of all, let me say this before we even touch on any th- physical thing. I had to have a conversation with my nine-year-old daughter at her eight-year checkup or nine-year checkup. They said, have you had the talk with her about sex? And I was like, are you kidding me? No, we're not, not talking about that. She's, She's still, nine. She believes in Santa. Um, no, we don't talk about sex. And they said, well, you need to because her friends have access to things and she's going to hear things. So beat them to that. And so that I, I now look back on that and I think that's a gift because I get to frame how she thinks about it. Mm-hmm. It's just this contradiction that we live in that there's so much truth of the beauty in it within marriage, but there was so much emotional baggage that I didn't know how yeah. to navigate in the sense of, okay, this is okay now, but I still feel like I shouldn't do it. I still feel like you can't erase years it honestly um, took me a whole year after marriage to be like, this is okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Emotionally. Well, I mean, and that's the, like, it's just such a hard balance emotionally and mentally to get through. And I think women probably struggle with it more than men on, on a lot of levels, but you just, you walk into it and I know that this is a beautiful thing and the right thing. And God wanted this for us yeah. in the confines of marriage. I get that, but I still had no excitement for it. Because I had no idea what was going to happen. And I was almost terrified. You almost feel like, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. It is one of those things where I needed people to tell me so many things to be prepared for. Yeah. In that realm, because we never talked about it at my house. My mom and I, we just did not have those conversations. It was not addressed in our household either. Yeah. She interrupted an episode of Sister, Sister and put a book in front of me and was like, here's everything you need to know. That's all I remember about that conversation. And it was like, it wasn't for lack of effort. It was just... This is a weird topic to have to talk about, and I don't know how to talk about it with you. Okay, so it is weird, and I think it depends on your personality, but I promise you, I'm coming in guns a-blazing when it comes to my girls, and I'm going to talk about it, and I swear, I'm just going to be open. I just don't want, I don't want there to be a fear of it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I want, because a lot of the younger girls that I've talked to, including myself, how I felt, I was so, I was so like, an, an excited nervous for the night but also scared because I had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah, can somebody walk me through a play-by-play? You Do hear everyone's a to stories. To C? Yes. You, great. you hear everyone's stories and you're like, I don't know what is going to go down, but it is such a special, special moment. I just want to do better about preparing girls who are coming after us for the emotional and mental balance that it is to figure out what's happening. Yeah. Also to create an environment where it's okay to talk about it mm-hmm. and be open about it. So for someone who is engaged who, or is just listening to this and they have made the decision they're saving themselves. What is your best advice for them for the honeymoon night? Find someone you know and love and trust that loves Jesus and take and ask them to take you to lunch and, and brief them on what you'd love to to talk about this or and if you don't have that person message Callie and I yes. we'd love to message oh, you we have done that talk so many times we for really so many. have I mean I can't tell you how many girls who are getting married look at us with these big eyes and they're literally terrified yeah. and if you know Callie and I we don't hesitate to talk about anything we try because to be I open I wish someone had told me yes I wish someone had told me what was going to happen and I'm like let's go to lunch let's mm. let's have the talk mm. And that's, that's a really healthy environment to prepare you for. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Absolutely. Find someone, just like Bricky said, someone you love, someone who loves Jesus and who's going to be honest with you. And do not be afraid to ask the questions the, that you're comfortable asking the questions of. Because yeah. listen, they'll probably be like, gosh, I do wish someone would have told me this stuff before. Oh, I can, make a, I can make a list. I know. It's so true. Absolutely. So you all have a lot of questions about pregnancy and childbirth. Ooh. And the number one question is... What should I do if I feel really scared about it? If I if I'm scared to even have a baby because I don't Girl, know what's going to happen. Get you some drugs. Walk in there with a birth plan to. It, you know what my birth plan was? Give me drugs. That's, that's what I'm literally saying. what I said. To Listen, them. I with my first two children walked in for inductions. They gave me an epidural. I never felt the first con- contraction. I slept through some of it. I pushed. I didn't know where I was pushing. I couldn't feel a daggone thing. It have is, a baby it's great they bring you slushies they okay? do they bring you whatever flavor slushie you want They'll bring and you it's slushies. so great but if you're stupid and you just like a challenge you don't like, have to have drugs she's either. talking about herself right now you know you can feel like you're literally breaking your back and you want to run because your flat or flat instinct kicks in and you're thinking i just gotta get out of here i gotta get out of here no i do think there is some fear around it i know some women were like uh, when i was pregnant i remember women would come to me and just tell me their pregnancy story like <sighs> 
their labor it's story, their birth story. And it's, it's always terrible. It's always the worst. And I was terrified. I remember when I had to get a C-section, someone was talking to me about like someone they knew who almost died having a C-section. And I was like, oh, why are you telling me That's this? great. Like, Thank you. Yeah. I don't want to oh, know. Oh, you're building a house? Hey, my house burnt down. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> it's like, why are you telling me this stuff? Great story, Karen. More often than not, I know for me, I will tell you, the it is one of my favorite moments is oh. bringing a baby into this world. It is. Mm. I mean, there are so I many do memories, it every day. so many funny memories. Is it weird and awkward and at times painful? Yes. Can I tell you my favorite memory in my entire life of, of my heart, my husband, Mark, is after giving birth and that little sweet moment of him washing me mm-hmm. post-birth, yep. having to clean me off because it's so tender. Yep. There you are in the most vulnerable, mm-hmm. yucky mm-hmm. mess with a floppy belly and floppy mm-hmm. everything. And there he is tenderly mm-hmm. washing you off. I I can't tell you That's how sweet all that I memory wanted. is I to me. I remember when I went into labor with Henley, I was still nasty because I had... Um, uh, I, just whatever I had done that day, I just hadn't, it wasn't the shower day bef- the day before. And I just felt really nasty after we had had her and I wanted a shower so bad. And the nurse was like, cause I had a C-section. She was like, you can't get those stitches wet. I was like, can I at least just wash my hair? All I want is to wash my hair. Cause it felt so greasy and nasty. And I'll never forget Ryan pulled a chair into the shower and put my head back and he washed my hair for me. Aww, and it was such a sweet, like I want to cry even thinking about it because it was the sweetest moment. And those are the moments that happen over and over again. You hear all these terrible stories, you hear whatever. It, there are so many more sweet moments than scary ones. Ugh. There are so many more. Makes me want to have a baby just so more. Right? I just want to like. Wash me off. It's so, it's just such sweet and tender moments. It that, is. I, it, oh my gosh. I can't even fully describe it. So don't be scared. I'm telling you. They were funny. Like oh, people say things as a joke. Oh, the way your baby smells their little head when they put it on you. <gasps> and they can't even hold their head just wobbling that everywhere. Is, they that can't hold in it itself is a drug. A brand new slimy baby. That baby sleeping on you. Oh, I know. Somebody have a baby and let me hold it. I know. I'm telling I you. I want to be there when it comes out though. Can I be in the birthing room? Please. We Can will I catch hold legs. the baby? <laughs> Callie, you got the left. I got the right. We know how to, we know how to coach you. We can be doulas. Don't be scared is all I can say. It's I was beautiful. terrified. I cried both times for multiple reasons. I was scared of what my, how my life was going to change. I was scared because I didn't feel ready. But you're, you're going to feel all happens. of those things. And then it happens. And I promise you, I'm not overstating this. It is a moment where you're like, I was meant to do this. Yes. This is where. And I can never go back. Yep. This is what I'm supposed to do. They did also ask, what is my husband supposed to do? <laughs> he, he has various roles and he can be as involved as he wants to. Um, my sweet brother-in-law doesn't like the sight of blood. It makes him super queasy. So he stays up around my sister's head every time that she gives birth and he doesn't venture down. Ryan and, stayed right by my head. He made that decision so quickly. He was like, <laughs> I don't need to see anything. Um, Mark would wander down and take a gander. <laughs> And just see what's happening. <laughs> and with my second child, she was a little bit stuck. I've been pushing for her a little bit. So they just pulled That's out the old Fisker yep. scissors and gave me a snippy oh, poo. Gosh. And he wasn't ready for that. And he watched them just cut me. And oh, gosh, he, I... it was so funny. He had to go ease himself into a chair because he about <laughs> fell right over. And I thought, here I am, literally birthing a, a bowling ball out of my nether region. And you have to go take a seat. Bless your heart. <laughs> Ryan was so he knew he complained about nothing because he knew oh yeah I had no uh, bandwidth to hear any complaints no. I was just so and also tired. with Hagen your nurse let you lay oh on a, a bed that wasn't put together. I was never so angry as I was <laughs> being in triage with Hagen when I went to labor with him because I had just I was an idiot and I had refused to go to the hospital all day and Ryan finally made me go at the end of the day and I'd just eaten and they were like you're gonna have to wait because we can't do a c-section so I sat there and labored for six hours but the the bed i don't know what kind of bed it was uh, nurses and hospitals might be able to tell us but it kept sliding apart and so i would just fall into this hole of the bed and i would just stay there and i am a two to my core yes you are. and i didn't want to ask about it because i felt bad to be difficult and so i just kept falling into this bed and falling into this hole it was the most uncomfortable for six hours and then all of a sudden in the last like 20 minutes the nurse came in and pushed the bed back together and was like oh i didn't know it was doing this and locked it into place and i was like i could punch someone (laughs) (laughs) i was so mad it's a great story i was so mad but don't be scared they okay what happens to your body before and after well definitely looks different i think i think everybody's different too i thought i was gonna have more self-esteem issues with it but i feel like i didn't because i could not believe what i had just done 
Oh, I think I think there's nothing more empowering. Like, dude, my here I, I'm a woman. Hear me roar, kind of thing. Um, but your I body grow changes. A human being, like I just couldn't get over that. Like I would hold both of them, and I'm like, I just grew this. I grew this. Can't grow a plant. Can't keep ivy alive. No. But I grew a human. I can grow a human being. <laughs> but your body, listen. My hips never went back down. They're a little bit wider. My feet they got were, bigger. My feet also got bigger, which is odd. My boobies went flat and south. Yeah. But sorry, welcome to the ladies, club. Especially you know? if you nurse. I mean, I'm sorry. Roll it's them just, up. Stick them in the bra. It, it just is what it is. <laughs> you just got to walk that path. And it's okay. It's okay. Because you know what you just did. And it's that's what it. you keep telling yourself. Lastly, how do you not get stuck on what you look like pre-baby and compare it to post-baby? Okay, number one, get rid of it. If you have a scale in your house, throw that thing out. That thing is such an inaccurate reflection of your health or you as a person. Mm-hmm. And a number so so strangely gets stuck in our head that I don't know why we get fixated on it, but get rid of your scales. Number two, remind yourself what you just did and give yourself some grace. My goodness. I mean, if you if you saw a stranger who had just given birth, you'd be like, give yourself time. You look great. Remind, you know, you would remind them what they just did. Why don't we do that for ourselves? You know what? Mm-hmm. Buy bigger pants. Mm-hmm. Get some stretchy pants. Stay on them longer. Listen, leggings are the new thing. They make control top leggings. Just stuff everything down. Mm-hmm. That muffin down into the into the leggings. You do. If you just get those control top leggings, it looks like I... All the way back up. and They go under your I bra. Want them up, I want them up under my armpits. <laughs> I want them all the way up there. And I want them holding everything We'd in. have spanks. All right, Brookie, what's your favorite thing right now? What are you, what are you so happy someone told you about? Um, well, my favorite book series ended in my college days. I'm ashamed to say it out loud. Callie, here I go. I love it. Do it. Go all I'm in. Ashamed, I'm ashamed to say it. Twilight. Who did? Who among I us? I loved did. I thought it was so stupid. Not, I couldn't help it. I loved the first movie. The, I loved all the movies. The first movie got me. I watched it without reading the book. And oh. I thought, I got to read this book. It was what? But if you look at the movie, the quality of it, it's, it's terrible. so bad, but I still love it. It's the storyline just hooks you. I still love it so but, much. The new book just came out. What's it called? Midnight something sun. Something about an eclipse, probably. Something <laughs> up there. Obviously, I'm really. So I reordered the books. I'm going to read through those, and then I'm going to read the newest one. And I'm not because ashamed. Here's what we're doing. We're doing a book swap. Yeah, we are. You might have heard about it in the No One Told Me Facebook group. If you're not in it yet, these are the things you miss out on if you're not in it. But I never bought books because I never knew what to do with them after I would read it. You know, I'd spend the money. I'd buy the book. I'd read the book, and I'm done. I don't read things It's on a shelf. And it's on a shelf. And so we were thinking, what if we just swapped books out? So I got the new Hunger Games one. <gasps> because be so fun. Hunger Games loved it too. So we're going to read them. We're, we're diving swap. in. Listen, I have lots of other books I can swap with you right now too. So if you want to get on it, make sure you let us know in the Facebook group. That's all I have for us today. I love you guys. We answered all your questions. Most of them at least. So with so much wisdom. Cross some lines. We didn't know that we would cross. It's about time. But that's Bricky for you. Am I right? Am I on the show unless we have to bleep some things out? Oh, no. The amount of editing I'm going to have to do with this (laughs) should come as no surprise. (laughs) We'll see you next time around. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.